Briefly, we want to let you know that you'll find the most current legislative updates at the end of this program and after the presentations. Hello, I'm Mike Walsh, your host of Vance's SoCal Military News and Views, an essential podcast for those who want to know more about the lives and needs of active duty and military veterans in Southern California. This is Episode 3, John Stryker Meyer, U.S. Army Special Forces Combat Veteran. A military hero, a good friend, and someone that I am just dying to ask questions about, and that is John Stryker Meyer. Good morning, John. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm just quitting my email so it won't interfere with our podcast. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and any other noise-making things here. But uh, good morning. It's good to talk to you, Mike. Good to talk to you. Now, in Oceanside, California, and as people are listening to your podcasts and reading your books, a lot of people are knowing about who John Strykermeyer is. But if there's a person or two who haven't hasn't heard about you just yet, why don't we ask... Uh, tell us a little bit about your story pre-military. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, after graduating from high school in 1964, when the Vietnam War was just beginning to really crank up, um, went to college for two years. It took me two years to flunk out. So I flunked out in the summer of 66 <laughs> and uh, ended up uh, listing in the Army. I read the book, The Green Berets, and said if uh, – if I go to Vietnam, I want to go with the Green Berets if I can qualify. So obviously, they must have lowered the standards. Uh, I got in, graduated and uh, from the Special Forces training in December of 67. We had some more additional communications training, and then we went to Vietnam. And uh, when we got to Vietnam, you have in-country training. And at the end of the in-country training, the little guy comes out and says, Hey, we got special projects. Anybody want to volunteer? And so my buddy, Johnny McIntyre goes, well, what's the project, Sergeant? He says, we can't say either you're in or you're out. Well, we all volunteered The movie the green berets with John Wayne was out playing then. So we all volunteered. It turned out to be the secret war in Vietnam that was conducted for eight years. And the green berets ran missions across the fence into Laos, Cambodia, North Vietnam. Years later, we learned it had the highest casualty rate of the war. and wow. uh, But those were our involvement. So I was there for uh, two tours of duty for a total of uh, 19 months in country. And uh, after that, came back, went to school, uh, worked at a couple of newspapers, which I don't talk about much anymore. And uh, my last tour of duty at a fish wrapper was in Oceanside, where uh, I met Chuck Atkinson. And um, 18 or 19 years ago, Chuck said, I have a dream. He and a few other World War II vets, well, not that Chuck's a World War II vet, but there were some World War II vets. Um, Jim Evans comes to mind, and a few others who said, we got to get some sort of a veterans facility in North County. And seeing how we all live in Oceanside or near the Oceanside, Let's think about that. So they came up with the idea of having a veterans association. And uh, they had the very first fundraiser, which was held behind the old Oceanside Police Department at 1617 Mission Avenue. 
and it rained all day. We had barbecue there. We had several authors. I think I sold two and a half books and uh, we donated the proceeds. But that was the first fundraiser for the veterans, what would become the Veterans Association of North County. And then, yep. um, so that's how I got involved with Chuck Advance. And how did you meet Chuck? How did how did that relationship start? Uh, I met at one of the veterans meetings, and I, I believe it was at a Pearl Harbor survivors meeting. They used to have a meeting once a month. Um, you know, again, we're talking 18, 20 years ago. And the Pearl Harbor survivors met once a month, and annually they would have an event, uh, you know, commemorating, paying homage to the uh, uh, men that we lost, men and women that we lost on Pearl Harbor Day mm -hmm. and the men who survived that attack. And uh, Chuck was there and we got to know each other through that organization. And then, of course, he was also at that time uh, the uh, post commander for another American Legion post, not as good as the one today at the American <laughs> Legion post 760, the Doug Letourneau post that he is now presently the commander of. And since you mentioned Doug Latorno, could you share a little bit about who Doug Latorno is and, and why he's uh, the, the honorary name? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, yes, I'll be honored. Uh, two years ago, Doug and I visited Vance. And of course, um, Doug lived in Tennessee. I was living in Oceanside at the time, working with Chuck. And um, I also worked at a couple of nonprofits, another nonprofit helping veterans get affordable housing. And over the years, I told Doug Letourneau about our organization. He made a couple of small donations over the years for some of our fundraisers and things. And uh, finally, in 2019, uh, he was out on the West Coast. He came by and visited the facility and was just blown away by it. We met Chuck. He came in and uh, uh, was just so impressed. After hearing about it, he goes, Wow, talking to you about is one thing, but actually being here and meeting Chuck, seeing the facility, the dining room, you know, and by that time, uh, Chuck and the board of directors for Vance uh, had overseen spending $1.5 million to renovate the old Oceanside Police Department at 1617 Mission Avenue in Oceanside. And it was went from a police station where in the old days, when you went in and it was still at a cost shop, if it rained, you had to wear a rain jacket inside the building because there were so many leaks in the roof. It right. was like a running joke. So the police department moved down to further, they moved further east on Mission Avenue, where they're still located today in Oceanside. And the building sat vacant for a couple of years. And then the city came up with a proposal for the association. And initially, there was going to be another city office there. But in the end, the entire, uh, what's it, 10,000 or 15,000 square feet building became the property of Vance. And we had an MOU with the city. And um, then we worked rebuilding it from the little to the ground up. Now, from and, what I understand, mm -hmm. it was Chuck was meeting at restaurants and kind of all over Oceanside with his American Legion post and frustrated over the fact that he couldn't get space. He knew that there were other organizations that were having the same problem. So 
when we think about the Veterans Association of North County, it's really that association with all those other veterans organizations that makes Vance Vance, right? Absolutely. I mean, so didn't you, aren't you involved in other organizations within Vance? Oh, yes. We have, uh, uh, the, one of my favorite is the Military Order to Purple Heart and um, <clears throat> Chapter 493. And they met in Vista for years. And then uh, they were forced to leave to another facility. And then that facility was shut down. This is maybe now, we're going back five or six years. And of course, they had been um, supportive of Vance from the concept. It's leadership supported Chuck. They knew each other. And that was one of the, in my mind, one of the significant uh, organizations that to this day still meets Advance and um, is very supportive of our events. And um, there are other organizations that have come in over the, over the years. But, um, and of course, today we have American Legion Post 760 in Oceanside. And um, there's a few more like the, the uh, group that does the annual stand down in North County. And they're uh, uh, tangentially involved, at least supportive of Vance. And they've attended some of the Vance meetings. And, you know, one of the, the uh, foundational elements of Vance was the Monday, once a month meetings. That was the first Monday of the month. And those meetings went on for over 12 years until, the, uh, until this uh, COVID uh, virus hit. And... Uh, but those meetings were, we brought in representatives from the uh, congressional offices, county office, as well as different veterans groups. And of mm -hmm. course, uh, being right next door to Camp Pendleton, Chuck had a lot of um, relations there, as well as working through some of the other veterans groups. Again, like the Military Order of the Purple Heart, Chapter 493, they would have events that we, that we would support each other on base and off. And then, of course, we supported several other organizations that are on base um, doing like the uh, war, the Armed Service YMCA comes to mind. So they have mm -hmm. their annual Christmas drive. It's just incredible work where they would fund presents and all other kinds of support for the families on base. Now, and, all uh, the places, all the groups that you're talking about are 501c3 charities that are focused on helping veterans. How does a bunch of nonprofits come up with $1.5 million to get a building going and to get what we see today even to happen? Uh, well, it's uh, multifaceted. And of course, anything that happens at Vance, it, it centers around our good buddy, Chuck Atkinson. Um, and in the beginning, we went from the first day of the first fundraiser where maybe we raised $12.5 to the point where the major, one of the major developments was there was a, a grant opportunity that came up where if Vance applied for a grant, and they had to do it within a quick period of time, and uh, Chuck was able, Chuck and the board worked together. They got in the proper paperwork working through the Oceanside City Council, which was very supportive at that time. And as far as I know, they are today. And the City Council supported us, and they were able to get a grant for $660,000. In between that, there are other grants that came in from then 
supervisor, uh, Bill Horn, who initially through his, um, they've got uh, a fund that he can take and donate anywhere he wants. And so in the early days of advance, they made a donation of $100,000 and then he made subsequent donations. And those were the, a couple of the major fundraising that came up. And then one of the elements too that Chuck was able to negotiate, um, we had a construction company that came in. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of it right now because I don't have my notes. But Chuck was able to work it out a deal where this construction company came in and redid the electronic wiring in the entire building. And he did some other major construction in the framework inside. And every month they billed $5,000 for services rendered, finally coming to a total amount of $50,000. And Chuck worked with them so that that service was a donation. So Vance didn't awesome. pay a penny, but it was incredible uh, work done. And that was the major step. The lights literally went on at that point. So the lights were on. Uh, we didn't have carpeting. The floors were dusty. We had our meetings there. And then um, things improved to the point where today it's, a, it's probably the largest meeting facility in North San Diego County. And uh, we have everything from the Military Order to Purple Heart that meets on the uh, second Wednesday of the month back in the small room to major meetings mm -hmm. like the San Diego Veterans Coalition that meets there. And they have meetings where you'll have two to 300 people in attendance to social events that are from North County where people will come in and rent the facility. And of course, we've had Veterans Day events, Memorial Day events, 4th of July, uh, major events that are veteran-centric held there. And of course, that's just been a major drawing point each year with the increased uh, visibility, public visibility, as well as support. So I'm one of the new kids in town when it comes to the Veterans Association of North County, but my introduction to the Veterans Association of North County, or what we like to call Vance, happened when you and I met in the La Jolla room at Vance. Indeed. Uh, you remember that discussion? Uh, it sticks with me vividly. Yes, Michael. <laughs> well, I, I found myself uh, wanting to get out of a toxic relationship in a board from another charity and was asking your help on where I could get myself uh, involved in another organization that helped veterans. And uh, I am so appreciative of the fact that uh, you got me involved here because ever since I've been here, I've had a great time. Thank you, sir. Well, and uh, again, uh, I wish I could say it was purely uh, something where I just was being a good guy, but uh, I was impressed with uh, your story and I'd watched what you had done with the other toxic organization and uh, a lot of your work. In fact, I attended some meetings with you with that group and mm -hmm. they had, they were doing some good things at the time. And when you were like ready to leave, it's like, hey, Mike, why don't you come on over here, man? We could use your skills, your talent, and your drive. And you did. You came in and really, uh, before we knew it, we had you out on as a vice president and other positions. I forget what they were, but you were able to juggle your professional career, dedicate time, effort, and money to the uh, cause here 
that really helped us kick it up to the point where uh, I think one of the major achievements, we had talked about it as a board for years, but to get a higher an executive director, who is Lori Booty, who's one of a kind, and uh, you are all a key part of that. In fact, I think you're the one that recruited her as a potential candidate for that position. And we interviewed several people, but she just stood head and shoulders above all the other candidates. And she's just proven to be a great resource who works uh, far beyond her her uh, measly stipend that we give her, but her dedication to the mission. And her husband, Mike, is always there working behind the bar and helping out in any way he can. So we've actually hired two for one. <laughs> We also saved Lori from that uh, particularly toxic organization that shall not be named, the Voldemort of 501c3s. But uh, <laughs> remember, she came from there and, and she was a godsend. So when when I started working with Lori at the, um, at the uh, other charity, the first thing that she did was she saw that I was completely overwhelmed doing what I was doing and said, can I help? And before I knew it, she was running the thing. <laughs> so I'm glad she's here at Vance helping us do the same thing. You know, before, yeah. <clears throat> before Lori came along, Chuck spent his Saturdays and Sundays with his wife cleaning the bathrooms here and doing all the different things that had to be done. And when Lori came, a lot of those changes took place. So so that was pretty awesome. Um yeah, well, we should add, on, don't forget, we got to add that Chuck and his ahead. wife did that for several years. And Absolutely. We, everybody assumed that it was being done magically or he had volunteers. And there's that one of the board meetings, he said something like, we're talking about another topic. He goes, yeah, uh, well, my wife and I are going to, what? <laughs> and that was just, <laughs> again, this is Chuck, uh, the many things that he and his uh the wife had done over the years in support of Vance, so just a remarkable uh, man. And for a while, the only way he would get a vacation was um, he would get sick or he had an illness. He had to go to Tri-City Medical Center. And we got to the point where, oh, Chuck's on vacation again at the Tri-City Medical Center. And as then an he would, 80-year-old. Yeah, as an 80-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think he and I, I think he and uh, his wife finally had a real vacation uh, last year, where they went up to see family up in San Bernardino. But his time and dedication. So I interrupted you, Mike, but that was a key point. Uh, one of the many things that he's done. And yes, Lori came in, and uh, through the ongoing increase of fundraising, able to get a full time uh, janitor service in there. And of course, she does some of that work. Yeah, she does indeed. And I think we have a very different board from uh, when you started. We have kind of a very different way that the association and the board work together. When it was early time at Advance, as you were just getting started, and, and that was what? What year? Oh, well, like I said, if Chuck and I first talked about it. This was... It was like 17 or 18 years ago and we had that first fundraiser. Mm -hmm. So things were slow getting off the ground in the beginning, but uh, here we are today. I'm sure 2008, 2009 threw a couple of curveballs at uh, getting your funding as well as we went into recession. Right. And that's when I got laid off in the newspaper and I went to work at uh, Interfaith Community Services, which is another nonprofit. And uh, Chuck and I had developed a rapport with Interfaith through Suzanne Pullman, 
who was the executive director. And this is back in 06, 07. And um, we supported each other on emails, things like that, interactions. And then um, when I went to work at Interfaith, that's where we began of the tradition of having the Monday meetings once a month mm-hmm. and a networking meeting for any, any organization, nonprofit, as well as our elected officials who were invited to attend the meetings uh, for Vance. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that uh, the new commanding officer of Pendleton came into our Monday meeting and gave us kind of an amazing. Here's what's going on in the world of the military, in particular the the Navy and the Marines, and how they're going to be going forward. So those Monday meetings have been something that have been not just informative, but a great way for 501c3s in North County, San Diego, California to be able to share what they're doing and, and what they're all about. And I, I think the Monday meetings are kind of a critical element for this building. Cause once again, sometimes we think about Vance as an organization and we forget association is the key word. The fact that we're pulling together veterans organizations and helping them spread their word as much as we are a veterans organization, uh, helping veterans ourselves. Right. Oh, sure. I mean, in the early days, the Monday meetings were held at Interfaith Community Services mm-hmm. when they were down on Oceanside Boulevard. And uh, like the proof of what you're talking about here, Vance and some of the other veterans groups that were working with us or part of our network at that time went to bat for Interfaith when that board of directors raised $4.5 million to pay off the veterans uh, transitional housing unit in Oceanside where they have 72 beds for veterans. And today that's still maintained. Mm -hmm. And that fundraiser there, Chuck Vance, the military order, the purple heart, uh, uh, us representative Daryl Isa and his foundation contributed to that effort. And that was, this is old history now, but this was uh, 2010 and 2011 where we worked together on that. And then by that time, Vance had the doors open so we could at least meet on the dusty floors at uh, 1617 Mission Avenue. Now, you're a Vietnam veteran, and one of the things that Vance was able to do was to finally have a welcome home for Vietnam veterans all these years later. Do you remember how that developed? Yes, it came through. There's a uh, formal Vietnam Veterans 50th Commemorative Commission formed in D.C., funded as a national network, and through its public relations, eventually, I forget where it began, either with us, Advance, myself, or through um, Hospice of North Coast, where they heard about this, and then we put together the first one, which was three years ago, held at Advance, and uh, it was quite an event. And uh, it was, um, um, I'm, I'm just trying to think. We had a full house. That's all I remember. The food was great. And there was, uh, we handed out the commemorative pins. And there were, when we handed those pins out, right. there were Vietnam veterans that were in tears. And I can't tell you, there was more than one that said, this is the first time anybody ever said thank you. And uh that, that was very it's, a very significant moment in time, one of our major 
events. And again, we networked with Hospice and North Coast. Lori Booty by that point was on on base. You were there pushing it along with Chuck, and uh, it it turned out to be a successful event. Yeah, I completely agree, and it, it's one of those things you can be proud of when you finally get a chance to thank people all those years later that you know and and I know should have been thanked when they were getting off the plane instead of getting the rope, the, the kind of response that they got, just like you got, I assume. <laughs> well, a lot of other guys had, had more severe responses than myself, but uh, uh, we used to have a gentleman by the name of uh, Ken, uh, Ken Noonan, who was the superintendent for Oceanside Unified School District for years, which really brought and improved the district a lot. And he was a Navy veteran, and he talked about having garbage dumped on him and being spat on Jeez. when he returned from Vietnam. And, uh, That's if, just horrible. It is. And, uh, but at least one of the benefits from that time is that the public today saw what happened then, and, and we were able to separate the war from the politics. And now, particularly with what's going on in Afghanistan, uh, the people are sympathetic to the veterans. Nobody's pointing to the veterans like they did erroneously and erratically in uh, at the end of the Vietnam War, which ended officially April 30th, 1975. As you see what's on the TV screen and as things are being explained about what's going on in Afghanistan, what's your take on that? What, what do you see what is it, uh, with your experience that, that uh, as you see what's happening that uh, goes through your mind? Well, it's, it's sad, um, but... You know, every veteran has got to take the following uh, attitude, which is my opinion, which is when it happened to us and now today is like the soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen, and the Coast Guard uh, service members that served, we all did our job. And people forget that in the Vietnam War, despite what you see in the media, that war, every major battle was won by U.S. And it was the politics and how the war was conducted by those above the soldiers and, and the Marines on the ground. Um, and to today, once again, politicians have dabbled and uh, the service members should hold their head proud because they, they served well there with great honor. And, you know, it's a heartbreak to think about interpreters. I mean, I'm alive today thanks to having had a great interpreter on a team that I had in Vietnam where we ran our top secret missions across the fence. And uh, it was me, myself, another Green Beret or two with South Vietnamese. And these South Vietnamese were tough. They may have weighed 118 pounds soaking wet, but 50 pounds was hard. And these guys were, were remarkable. I'm alive today thanks to them, the South Vietnamese Air Force that worked with us. So um, you got to look at it as a professional said, we did our job. And once again, it just shows the ineptitude of politics and politicians. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad you brought up the uh, military and your experience then, because I am talking to somebody who wrote uh, at least two books has been, <laughs> uh, has had a number of articles in, in a number of different magazines. And what you wrote about is probably one of the most amazing stories. In fact, I've, 
not only read those books twice, but I've gone through the uh, Jocko Willink podcasts another couple really? of times just <laughs> because it's pretty amazing to think about what you did. Yes, quite. I'm not kidding. Oh. Um, tell me a, a little bit about that experience because, I mean, when we hear about a handful of guys going out and, and poking the bear against a division of uh, North High Vietnamese trained. troops. Yes. The, the idea is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what that was about. I mean, tell well, me about your experience there. Well, the first uh, thing. And, and what's oh, in sorry. the books for people who haven't read them yet? Oh, thank you. Well, basically, uh, the, the books, there are three. And uh, Cross the Fence, On the Ground, and Saw Chronicles, Volume 1. Basically, um, my some of my stories, but more importantly, other men that served with us for our missions across the fence during that war. And as I said earlier, we learned years later that the secret war had the highest casualty rate, which was close to or exceeded 100% casualties. And you're going to go, wait, 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 how's that happen? Well, we had some men like uh, Sergeant Bob Howard who received eight Purple Hearts. He was put in for 11. Wow. And we had other guys that had two or three Purple Hearts, and like myself, got put in for a couple of Purple Hearts that were not really serious, but they qualified, so we just put the paperwork aside. But the secret war was conducted across the fence because the communists that we were combating in South Vietnam had agreed to a treaty publicly but ignored it. So by the time I arrived in 1968, there are 25 to 30,000 communists in Laos alone, anywhere from 50 to 100,000 in Cambodia. They would go across the border, attack our allies, attack our Green Beret camps, then go back and lick their wounds. Under those treaties we had entered, commercial troops couldn't go. And it wasn't until 1970 when they had the official incursion into Cambodia, which now, some will argue it should have been done years ago, years before that. So anyways, the secret war was conducted for eight years, and we all signed a non-disclosure agreement saying we would not, could not talk about it. And so we couldn't talk about it for 20 years, couldn't write about it. When you came home, if your mom or dad goes, hey, Giant, what'd you do in the war? Well, you know, I was a Green Beret. We were kind of busy over there. <laughs> And then by that point, everybody goes, well, yeah, okay, well, you're a Vietnam vet. And the, the parents, don't get me wrong, my parents were very loving, supportive. Both times that I went and when I was there, Grandma Stryker was praying for us every day and everybody else. So I'm always convinced that was part of my uh, reason for coming home. So nobody could talk about it. Then finally, Soldier of Fortune magazine had articles that I wrote under a nom de gerre, and that led to a book. Uh, my first book, Across the Fence, when, uh, and again, I couldn't have done it without the support of my wife, who's also been a big fan of Vance all the years, and she's a, she loves Chuck. You know, whenever I talk Chuck, my wife, Anna, just lights up because she's so impressed with him, as we all are. And uh, um, she said, you got to write this book. Well, this is, this was like around 2000. We had four teenagers and one newborn in the house. And she encouraged me to write the book. And then we, we started the first book. And I couldn't have done it without it. So the first book comes out. We did a second book, which I co-authored with a fellow recon man, John Peters, in 2007. And then we expanded the first book. We put in uh, three more chapters, 50 photographs, 
And then we did Saw Chronicles, which detailed one of the most significant operations in the Secret War history, where a team went out for four days, just kicked ass, it took numbers. Uh, there were 16 Green Berets, 120 indigenous troops, and the 16 Green Berets received 32 Purple Hearts off of that one mission. And they're in contact with the enemy wow. uh, for four days and four nights. And the medic, uh, Michael, Mike Rose, Gary Mike Rose, received the Medal of Honor from President Trump on October 23rd, 2017 at the White House, where we were honored to attend that and to see that historic moment off of that mission. And uh, so the books came out. And, you know, books have a circulation rate within the realm of readers that care about military history. And then I met Jocko Willink, who was a Navy SEAL, had two tours of duty in Iraq. His second tour of duty, he was the commanding officer for Operation uh, Task Force Bruiser. And they retook Ramadi, which was street, street fighting, room to room, building to building, god-awful fighting, where every military service there, and he was working with the Marines, uh, 101st Airborne Division, the 10th Mountain Division, some Green Berets, some Delta Force, and Navy SEALs. And uh, he remembers that, that combat vividly. And so... He heard about some of my stories. We got a book to him. And uh, in June of 2019, we did a podcast. And Jocko's podcast, the first one now, has been viewed by over 575,000 people. And it's just amazing. It is. Well, we, we, we did the first one. And then he invited me back for a second. So the if anybody's, if you Google Jocko podcast 180, that's the first one, then 181. 182, and there were like three in a row. Because after I did the second one, uh, I was driving home, and Jocko said, hey, my guest canceled for next week. Can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> so, Or next week. So I came back. We did a third. And then we did the one that's my favorite. is Jocko Podcast 186, where we uh, interviewed Doug Letourneau, the Frenchman. And that was when he visited Vance. And he was so impressed with, with Vance and made donation again within his ability. Um, that was why he became the namesake for the American Legion Post 760 because he loved that building. We talked about it. He knew more about Vance from me talking to him over the years. And on that day, we had that podcast with Jocko. It was amazing. So we continued to go on from there. So if I recall correctly, that was something like eight plus hours of podcast time when you guys were all finished with all of those different podcasts, right? Those were like the first three, believe it or not, it was okay. eight hours. And then wow. we did the Frenchman. That was another two. And then I, we did four more with Jocko. And uh, one was on Lynn Black's book, uh, Whiskey Tango, Foxtrot. And then we did one on the whole Operation Tailwind. And then we came back with interviews with Cowboy, who was uh, Con Doan, who was with Lynn Black October 5th. He was one of the six men that fought the uh, NVA division at 10,000 for a whole day. And then last but not least was the King B pilot, uh, Major An, A-N. 
who lost both hands to a hill during a helicopter crash, oh. but he could still fly. Fearless, oh, what, amazing. One of people. those guys that you make come alive in your book because there is so much about that guy just being zen while <laughs> all of hell is going on around you. You guys are jumping in and you just can't believe the look on that guy's face. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like from being on the ground, I could never, I never knew how they did it. I mean, you basically think about where you want to go and you go once you get trained as a helicopter pilot. And to see them up there getting hammered with bullets, waiting for us to get the guys on the helicopter so we can get the heck out of there. It was, always, it was just an amazing time and story. Absolutely. Uh, only one of, what, a few hundred stories in those books <laughs> that are just mind-blowing. Um, now you're doing your own podcast, right? Correct. Yes, Jocko. Thanks to Jocko Willink Productions. We are... We started uh, a few months ago doing what they call SOGCAST. And SOG was the acronym for our Studies and Observations Group, which was the innocuous title for our secret war that was in the Navy budget. And we've interviewed 11 people. Ten were recon uh, men from SOG. And then the 11th was an aviator. And uh, they just posted number seven uh, a couple days ago. And if you go to Spotify or Apple there'd be the audios. And then at some point they're supposed to come back and follow up as uh, YouTube productions, like Jocko's productions, where you have the film of, of, that goes along with the interview. How cool is that? Do you have kind of a mission to bring as many of your green berets on and, and. Oh, absolutely. Um, the response has been, well, you know, you're talking to a guy who's, still in the 20th century. The 21st century has all this podcasting, but the outreach, I mean, literally every day, Mike, I get either an email or an Instagram from somebody literally around the world. Either like, hey, I just saw Jocko podcast number 180, and or I saw the one with the Frenchman. What happened to the Frenchman? But And it's all part of that electronic world that now is out there that I'm still learning. And... Um, so, yeah, our goal is to do as many SOG uh, people that we can get before the cameras on and get them get their stories recorded so that the Jocko and his staff uh, with Echo Charles, his right-hand man, gets them produced and put into the public uh, venue. And I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but I had a recent meeting with Jocko where he said the podcast, the SOG cast themselves are number 35 now in the category of podcast history, and there's over 150,000 people that have submitted stuff. So there is an interest for it. And um, so hang on, Sloopy. And then the final answer to your question, I'm going to adopt the model that we're going to do for my next book, which will be right till we die. We're going to be writing the SOG stories until they plan us. Well, don't be in a hurry. Indeed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Write many books. And Indeed. think about this for just a minute. If this uh, if does, doesn't twist your noodle, but you're on a podcast with me talking about a podcast that started it all with Jocko and now with a podcast of your own, a SOG cast of your own. How cool I know. is that? It's amazing. <laughs> it's all amazing. And now it's even cooler that Vance now has its own podcast 
where we can get the word out to the public about the uh, many benefits and the wonderful programs that go on in advance, uh, even during the uh, COVID virus and all the extenuating circumstances that came off of that. And you'll have more details from Lori, but all those meals and things they handed out, just incredible. Just one aspect of Vance that's so remarkable. Well, once again, you find yourself looking back at your history and seeing something that you planted a seed and see is, seeing where it is today and how it's grown up. And, and you were a big part of Vance while you were with us in, in California, and now you're on the <laughs> other coast doing some more. Yeah, well, yeah, now we're just trying to focus on the SOG history. Like back at Vance, it was help all vets. And, of course, being right next door to Camp Pendleton, we had a couple Marines and sailors that would come by once in a while and having programs with them one way or another or working with the uh, Armed Services YMCA. It's uh, part of the whole networking process where one way or another, if a veteran comes through that front door, those receptionists who, by the way, are all volunteers and these ladies and guys that work at that front desk now for, gosh, how many years, Mike? Yeah, They're just really. wonderful. Just a, one of our little hidden gem stories at Vance. I just I always go in there and they're always greeting you. Even if they're on the phone, at least you get a wave. And even the new ones there, they don't know who I am. I could be Joe Bip the Ragman for all they know. <laughs> but I come through that front door at Vance, I get the warm greeting, welcome, and they get the – if they think you're a vet, it doubles the uh, the warm greeting. And then, hey, how can we help? And that's right what I love they about They ask you to sign the book, right? Indeed. Oh, yeah. Sign the <laughs> book or I'll, I'll hit you with a frying pan like my wife would threaten. <laughs> you ever seen an Irish lady with a frying pan when she's upset? That's scary, man. But those gals, yeah, sign that book. But it's a reason to document all those who come through that front door, either getting help, looking for help, or – some people come through and are just lost. And does Vance tell them to go bug off? No, they help them. Well, it's a, it's been a great thing to be a part of. I can, uh, I enjoy doing it. I continue to enjoy doing it. And I certainly miss having you there, but I love watching the SOG <laughs> story being told, the, uh, the guys that you bring on and, and all of the different uh, experiences that we've had watching our or listening to our song cast. Oh, well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. You know, it's like these different stages of life, you know, like even though I am 2,000 miles away, you know, Vance is in my thoughts every day because after all those years with Chuck, had our Monday meetings, and then when the building, we began to use the building, of course, in the early days, like I said earlier, the floors were dusty, there's no carpet, no electricity really to speak of, and... uh and now it's like we got carpet and electricity and the air conditioning works. <laughs> and, you, and you've been up on that roof. You know what it's like up there with the five air conditioners going at one time. May have been up there. It's, it's not <laughs> confirmed, but may or may not have been there in case yeah. my wife may be listening. Oh, yeah. We don't want to get on the wrong side of Sharon. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, sir, I am I'm pleased to punch for all the success you've had bringing the SOG story to the rest of the world by giving those people that were told 20 years ago never to speak of the acts that you all did heroically in the, in the dark. And I'm glad to see that uh, this, this message is getting out. More than anything else, 
I, I love hearing the stories and I'll continue to tune in. So I, I thank you for being a part of that. I thank you for being a part of our Vance podcast as well. It, it has been a blast getting to chat with you. Well, it was my honor. And, you know, and even in the early days, like I said before, I had to be clandestine with Chuck, you know, supporting uh, Vance behind the scenes quietly. And whenever they had a fundraiser, we'd be out there and then helping with the uh, Bill Horn and other folks to make donations that led to the great success that Chuck and the staff and God has been so many volunteers over the years that have worked with Chuck. So it's a real honor and uh, I miss it. But again, life moves on, you know? Well, we miss you, but we get a little dose of you uh, every week. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again. Keep up the good work. Carrie, continue to march. (laughs) 